You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. I've decided to try something new and that I think would be fun. It's called I Heard a Thing, which obviously is about things I've heard. For our inaugural I Heard a Thing, we're going to go with a favorite of mine, a question posed to me from a clearly clueless heterosexual couple. Cover your children's ears. The question I was asked, why do lesbians dislike having sex with men but use an item that is clearly phallic in its presentation? I'm talking about a strap-on for those who still somehow didn't catch on. After I rolled my eyes up into the sky and had to fight to bring them back down to earth, I said, lesbians don't have an issue with penetration, just a preference in penetrator. I happen to enjoy looking up and seeing a nice pair of ladies' boobs rather than some hairy dude grunting. Just can't think of anything that would end the mood faster than a dude huffing and puffing. Ew, moving right along. Welcome to Lesbertarian, the only place for liberty-loving muff divers and muff diving enthusiasts. Join us this week as we tear apart the political binary and take a look at issues through the lens of non-aggression and reason. I'm your host, Kim Chang. Throw on your flannel, rent your U-Haul, and let's get this thing started. In episode 9 of Lesbertarian, we talk about social media battles. What am I talking about? Libertarians definitely know what I'm talking about. The things that we get to endure whenever we jump on Twitter or Facebook. And sometimes we seek it out. Debating, arguing, discussing, fighting with people on social media. I would advise that you be very careful with this. It does have its benefits and we'll get into its benefits later. The thing I've noticed about social media is that it's really fun to troll. While I don't necessarily go around trolling all the time, it is a little fun. Sometimes used to make a point or at least uh, for some entertainment you might go trolling. The thing is people are bolder online than they are when they're face-to-face with us, of course, it's a lot easier to punch somebody straight up in the schnoz if they decide to say something insulting, whereas on the internet, you can say whatever you'd like, and that person's going to have to travel all the way and find you to punch you in your dome. So, of course, people use social media to do some terrible stuff. And sometimes, when we get into these debates, we fight tooth and nail. We've been there where we're talking to somebody who is extremely conservative or extremely far left. We're trying to make a point. We're trying to further the message of liberty and come up against a brick wall or people who fight you with feels. They just turn into wimps, whine, or try to sick all their friends on you. Or they might even just decide to take an excerpt from your debate and post it on their wall and talk about, oh, this person is an idiot just so they can get validation. We probably have done something similar. We've been in a debate and we just posted somewhere and said, hey guys, check out this person that I was debating with. The point of all this is that we should choose our battles wisely, which is a very hard skill to learn, especially as a libertarian, because we're opinionated about everything. We want to try to solve everything and discuss and debate and argue everything with each other, with other people, people who didn't even want to talk to us in the first place. We do that all the time. The reason I engage in any debates is so that I can engage the person I'm not exactly talking to, 
but the audience, the people that are currently reading it as the debate goes on, or they're going to come back and read it, those are the people I'm concerned with. The person I'm arguing with most likely is not going to change their mind. It's hard to change people's minds on social media. So when we start banging our head against a wall because somebody wasn't listening to something we said, people are stubborn. They're most likely not going to pay attention to what you have to say because they believe what they are saying is the 100% truth. We believe what we're saying is the 100% truth. And we can go back and forth and even try to give well-cited arguments, which the other person probably won't read, even though we like having the evidence, you want to debate. But hey, it's good to check out whatever evidence they have. To be fair, keep in mind that this is social media. A lot of people can see that. So keep in mind, if you're debating somebody, what you want the audience to take away. The people who might not necessarily comment, but the people who are just going to read and see the back and forth and try to decide what they believe on the matter. Enough lecturing you on Facebook battles. Now we're going to talk about the news for today. In Vox's article titled, A Heartbreaking Supreme Court Case Could Be a Huge Win for the Christian Right, Mohammed Tanvir, the main plaintiff in the Tanzan versus Tanvir case, was approached by two FBI agents in 2007. They asked him if he had any information on the American Muslim community. One of the agents' names is listed. FBI Special Agent F.N.U. Tanzan. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But the other officers are just listed as John Doe, so I don't know who the other officers are. This case involves a, several other people. It's just that Tanvir is the main plaintiff. What happened is they detained him to ask questions to the FBI agents. They asked him if he had any Taliban training, held his passport captive, they asked him to take a polygraph. Of course, they were going to ask him more questions. And if you could see where this is going, this sounds like they were thinking he might have been a terrorist of sort, a Muslim terrorist. And he refusing to take the polygraph. I definitely don't blame him there because those things aren't even admissible in court and can't be guaranteed to be the tool to represent getting the absolute truth out of somebody. You can pretty much look that up and find out that they're not admissible in court. Tanvir and some of the other plaintiffs refusing to answer these questions. Also, the FBI agents asked if they would be informants. They said no. They were thrown on a no-fly list, so they couldn't travel. Tanvir, he had a job as a long-haul trucker, and he had a job that he had to deliver to different states, and then when he was done, he had to fly back to New York. Well, since they put him on the no-fly list, he couldn't even do the job, so he ended up having to quit. Tanvir was questioned several times, multiple times, and so were some of these other people. There was even a point where Tanvir's mom was sick and he was supposed to fly home, but since he was on the no-fly list, he didn't get to go. But his wife wasn't on the no-fly list, so she got to visit his mom. They were threatened with jail time and being deported if they didn't become informants. As I was reading this, I was wondering what the point was here. This is from the article itself, which I do have in the show notes if you want to check it out. According to the article, legally speaking, Tanvir boils down to a conflict over whether RFRAs, which is Religious Freedom Restoration Act, a federal law protecting religious liberty, if the RFRA's vague language permits government officials to be sued for money damages if they violate that law. 
RFRA provides that government shall not substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, except in limited circumstances. And it also, and it allows someone who faces such a burden to obtain appropriate relief against a government official who violates this law. In a world where federal officials can be sued for religious liberty violations, religious liberty violations, a commissioner on the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission could potentially be sued if they make an offhand remark that's dismissive or hostile towards religious beliefs that are used to justify discrimination. And there we go. And that is the kicker right there. It would be real hard for the left to continue their trying to make cake bakers bake them that are religious bake them a gay wedding cake or maybe make a parade t-shirt for a pride parade. If this man, who is a Muslim, gets to have freedom of religion, guess what? That means Christians get it too. Left's not very happy with that. And that is the whole crux of the thing that would imply the religious right is going to be very excited about that, but then the left is kind of in a conundrum because we are finding out the more articles that we check out, a lot of the hate in the LGBT community and the Christian community seems to be for each other. That's at least how the media is portraying it and how some people are seeing it, is that they don't want Christians to have that kind of freedom, but they will let anybody else have that kind of freedom, as long as it isn't a Christian. So that is quite a dilemma for the left to figure out, but hey, I know how to fix that. Everybody should have religious freedom, and as long as that religious freedom isn't being used to snuff me out or tell me I can't be who I am, and I'm being fair enough not to try to dictate who you are and what you should believe, it's fine. People can coexist. While people keep saying that the Christian religion doesn't allow for LGBT people, well, the fact is you can't just go and decide that you want to get rid of one religion because there are plenty of religious people that can coexist with us in the LGBT community. A good portion of us are existing with gays and Christians all over the place. Media can definitely skew how you think of things. Second story, we have, we're going to start this out with a quote, and this is going to be really hard for me because there are a lot of Polish names, and even though I've been to Poland, these names aren't easy, and you'll just have to check out the article in the show notes to see what magazine or news publication put this out because I cannot pronounce it, but there's a quote from notesfrompoland.com on Friday, I cannot say whatever the heck that's called. Polska reported that a British court had ordered Harry, the son of Polish immigrant Aneta, cannot pronounce her last name, starts with a Z, Aneta Z, and a British father to be adopted. Aneta, who suffers from depression and epilepsy, lost custody of the child after she left him in the care of her 13-year-old daughter and Harry burned himself. Earlier this year, whew, there we go, I can say the last name, Jaroslaw Kaczynski, the leader of Poland's ruling party and the country's de facto leader claim that allowing same-sex couples to adopt would turn children into objects that are needed by someone. I do not know what for. Let's say for fun. We will defend ourselves against this. Look at that backwards thinking. If a same-sex couple decides to adopt a kid, it's for fun. That guy probably just thinks anybody who's gay likes is a, ped- is a pedophile or whatever, which 
no, no, no. Let's go ahead and say that. Being gay does not automatically make you a pedophile. And it's still strange. We still we have to stress that at any point in society. But hey, the U.S. actually a little further, further down the path than Poland, apparently, when it comes to this. The mother doesn't want the same-sex couple to adopt the child, but the father reportedly consented to it. The deputy minister was quoted as saying, if this is true, we will take all steps so that the child, if he must be adopted, is adopted by a man and a woman. While I agree a two-parent home with a mother and a father is ideal, that doesn't mean that I disagree with single parents or gay parents. Obviously, I am gay. And if I had a kid, I'd clearly be a gay parent. Especially considering... Whether we like it or not, men and women are different in many aspects, not just their body parts. The best person to teach a man how to be a man is a man, and the best person to teach a woman how to be a woman is a woman. Of course, that does, doesn't mean single parents aren't capable of raising a child, especially one that's of a different gender than they are. They can do it well, too. It's just more so a experience it, experiencing it is the easiest, easiest way to understand something on a deeper level. My mom did a pretty good job on her own, though. But my brother said he could have done with a stable male around. His words, not mine, to relate to on a deeper level. We got plenty of children looking for homes, and all of them are being adopted. Whether the home has two men, two women, or one man or one woman, these children need a good, healthy home. I'll pick good, healthy home for children needing to be adopted, over them not having a home at all just because some people view parenting to be something done between a man and a woman. Especially since the child being put up for adoption in this case was being taken away because he injured himself while in the care of his 13-year-old sister that his mother left him with. The Polish government clearly aligns with the mother's request to have Harry be adopted by a man and a woman, but the father was reported to have been fine with a same-sex couple. The bigger question to me is... We should have a say in what type of family can adopt a child that was taken from you. In cases of serious abuse, would you really care about the opinion of that parent or set of parents? While I don't have all the details on how Harry injured himself specifically and what the conditions were, I'm not 100% confident the government gets it right when they make choices. And this choice is the is the this choice involves the life and future of a child. Messing up can cause some serious and residual damage if they end up living with a less than desirable family that just so happens to involve the parents that are married being a man and a woman. Poland still has a ways to go, but I feel like it can get there. Our third story, in Pennsylvania, a trans woman is suing Sunray Drugs because her HIV and transition drugs were delivered to her residence lobby mail area with all of the prescription stickers, stickers available and visible, along with her name on a white paper bag. If you look at the Doe versus Sunray link in the show notes, you can see a picture of the bag. You just have to scroll a little further down the PDF, and it's quite visible. You can see all the prescriptions and her name and everything there. Now all her neighbors are gossip, gossiping about her, and they're saying, quote, they're calling her the drag queen with AIDS. I don't know if this was done on purpose by Sunray, but I do know this. My health and what I need to do to live a healthy, stable life is no one's business. Why in the world would it have been delivered that way in the first place? 
At least Walgreens delivers it in a nondescript bag. Good thing Sunray doesn't sell dildos. How embarrassing would that be? I'm kidding. Kidding aside, they had been delivering her prescription in a nondescript brown paper bag for about a year, so I don't know what the heck changed this time around. I just know that's messed up. Whatever their motives are, that's terribly unprofessional, whether it would have been a trans person or just anybody. If it would have been you or me and your stuff was just sitting out there, that's nobody else's business. I don't know what's going on there. I'll try to keep an eye out, see if there are any updates, because that's a weird one. And, and if it's because she's trans, well then, these are awful people. You don't do that to anybody. I don't care what you think about them. Our last story in Sao Paulo, Brazil. 32-year-old mother Tatiana Lozano, is it Pereira? Admitted to stabbing her 17-year-old son, Atalberg. Was it? Jeez, these names are killing me in this episode. I guess that is Itaberly. We're just going to call him Lozano. And then we're going to call his mom Tatiana, just so I don't have to try to pronounce these names. Terrible. I don't have a very good accent to make any of these names sound good. Anyway, 32-year-old mother Tatiana admitted to stabbing her 17-year-old son to death in 2016. Her claim was that her son did drugs and brought home men. His uncle, Dario Rosa, denies that this statement is true. He said that Lozano was a hard-working and educated young man, and she and he believes that Tatiana killed him for being gay. When she first confessed, she said that she had gotten in a fight with him on December 27th, which led him to go live with his uncle and grandmother. But then Tatiana convinces him to come back so they can talk. So he comes back on the 29th and they argued again. Tatiana said that her son threatened her and also threatened her husband and their three-year-old son which led to her stabbing him to death out of self-defense. However, the story changed when it came out that in December, her son had reported his mother to the authorities and posted on Facebook that his mother had hired several boys to beat him up. Two teens, Victor Roberto da Silva and Miller da Silva Barisa, had been arrested in connection with his murder, but they said they had been hired to teach him a lesson, but not to kill him. They claim that when his mother saw that he was dying, she stabbed him to death because it was better to end his life. Both the mother and father were arrested at that point. But now, as of today, Tatiana was found guilty of homicide and corpse concealment. And Victor Roberto and Miller were sentenced to 21 years and 8 months in prison for homicide. The story is straight up sick. And once again, Thinking about how far the U.S. has, has come. If this happened in the U.S., everybody would be quite outraged. And I don't think it would... I don't think 25 years for what she did would have been what came down on her head. Or at least I hope not. Because if you kill your own kid, I don't care what the heck the reason was for. There better be credible reason for the self-defense. And that kid better have been trying to, like, st stab you. I, what? How do you do that? How do you attack your own kid? And I'd, I mean, even if the kid came after you or did threaten your family, I, I couldn't see myself just stabbing my kid to death. And then when the truth comes out that she had these two kids just attack him and then she finished him off, this is disgusting. That's just awful. I mean, your parents are the ones you should feel safe with. This is definitely 
It's reprehensible. And unfortunately, we're going to end on that downer of a note. If you would like to comment on the stories or continue discussion, you can reach me on Twitter at Lesbertarian. Search out Lesbertarian on Facebook, Lesbertarian on Instagram, or you can email at lesbertarian at gmail.com. And until next week, I'll talk to you then. Bye.